0: Have you found a a pretty effective way of of getting your hands on a few bottles during release seasons?
1: I have. It's a little tricky because I'd say if you'd asked me a year ago, I would probably tell you it's all about relationships. I think so many new people are getting into it that I would almost say this year it's more about research than relationships. Yeah. You and
2: Kenny can nerd out. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) You don't want to talk about grass, then I'm all game.
0: and we're back with another episode of the bourbon pursuit podcast my name is kenny and we got ryan here today as also ryan how you doing doing good man i'm a little slow today i uh, had a christmas party
2: last night and had several Good old fashions last night, and a little foggy, but I'm going to bring my A game.
0: Yeah, there today, we go. So. We're going to need it because I think I think today is something that you know this is always something that we bring guests on, and Ryan's always like I'm excited for this guest, and actually today I'm really excited not only for our guest but also our topic. It's it's something that I'm I'm super passionate about because I'm living it firsthand, and you know today we're going to explore something that. Many of us have really gotten accustomed to for the better part of it, you know probably the past few years, and that's the infamous bottle chase. You know, I'm talking camping outside of liquor stores, pulling strings, asking favors, paying outrageous prices sometimes just to get your hands on that special bottle. And for any of our hunters that are actually out there, um, if you didn't know, one of our past guests, uh, Dixon Deadman, who's part owner of Kentucky Al Bourbon, they released some new info on their website of KentuckyAlBourbon.com. And if you go in there, you see recipes, and they've actually uh, said that there's going to be a December release. And within that December release, there's going to be three barrels, and that's going to be three different releases. So odds are it's going to be really hard to get your hands on all three, I guess you'd say, varieties. But there's going to be three of them. There's red, green, and blue ink. Um, Each individual barrel has their tasting notes, and they're all different. Um, and it's going to be only released in Kentucky, so I guess keep your eyes peeled for that one.
2: Yeah, I'm excited for that because I've really enjoyed the first two releases, so I'm interested to see how these come, how these go.
0: Yeah, I mean each each barrel yields about on average 200 ba- or 200 bottles. Um, it's a it's a younger age bourbon. I think it's only about the probably the anywhere between um, three to four years. So it's it's not entirely um, old, needless to say. But it's uh, I think it's still going to be tough to get your hands on the
2: first two releases. Like I just got lucky on the second one. I just walked in. and They're like, "Yep, got one more left. Here you go." And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been tough to get it anywhere around here. So. I'm sure it'll be the same as always. Yeah, this bottle chase, you know, Kenny's like crazy about this shit, <laughs> like <laughs> going go and in camping and like i'm I'm okay with just walking in and like stumbling upon stuff. and Ken- Kenny takes it to another level of camping and chasing and hunting down the secondary market. So I, i'm I lived through Kenny on this, so I'm excited to talk to, you know our guests too, about you know, this whole different world of of bourbon passion,
0: yeah, I feel like it's like a a tell-all story. We're getting ready to reveal of our all of our secrets or something like that. So it's a, It's kind of like opening the kimono up. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) So let's go ahead and we'll uh, we'll introduce our guest. So today we have Eric. Eric runs the Twitter handle for Bourbon Season. So, Eric, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. So, before we kind of talk about what you do on Twitter and and what you do about bottle chases, tell us about your love affair with bourbon. You know, like how did you get into it? Sure. Uh,
1: So, mine might be a little bit different. I actually grew up outside of Boston,
0: and up here it's
1: more Irish whiskey. So, I'd say when I was younger, You know, I was probably around Irish whiskey, like Jameson, that sort of thing, Uh, more than bourbon. We actually didn't even hear about bourbon all that often. And then I went to Tulane and I got down there and all of my friends down there uh, drank bourbon and Coke. And so I guess my first exposure, I have a really strong memory of there's this uh, bar down there a little off campus called The Boot. But I remember going into The Boot and trying bourbon and Coke uh, and loving it. And uh, sort of been with bourbon
0: ever since. So uh, tell us a little bit about your Twitter handle and and what you do as, as a part of that as well. Uh, so the handle is
1: at Bourbon Season, uh, just one word. I've also got a, a website, bourbonseason.com. That, uh, but for the most part, I'd say probably most of what I do is through Twitter. It started with me really starting to just kind of tweet out tips and tricks that I had heard about uh, hunting sort of allocated bourbon. And now, you know, pretty regularly I go on there Um, if I know about a lottery that's happening or a release that's happening or maybe even some dates um, I go on there and just and just share them. And sort of over, over time, I've, I've built up a little bit of a network where people give me some information to share. And so I'll, I'll forward that along through Twitter as well.
0: I've noticed that uh, at least from if the people are out there and they, they go on Twitter, they, they, if they look really hard enough and you look on the, the, the iPhone app store, there's a thing called Pappy Tracker. But Pappy Tracker seems like they, they really are trying to monetize it and they don't, they don't put a whole lot of stuff out there pretty regularly. I think you have more tweets and retweets of different different places around the nation that are doing raffles for their pappy or btac or anything like that more than more than they do for an actually um, an app that you have to pay for so i think it's it's really good that you're you're sharing that information for those people that um, may not know about all the the different liquor stores that have twitter handles out there i appreciate
1: that so the, the original idea behind it was just sort of to share what i knew so that other people could sort of ramp up quicker um and you know it's not my day job it's more of just a passion for me so uh so it's not monetized in any way what i tweet about is my own um yeah
2: and i I hope people are getting value out of it so we know all about that monetization (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah doing it
0: for free just doing it for the love of stuff right yeah, which is great, though. It's yeah. great. Also, like, cause I guess there's there's a lot of different ways that you can go about trying to get these allocated bourbons. Have you found a, a pretty effective way of, of getting your hands on a few bottles during release seasons?
1: I have. Um, it's a little tricky because I'd say if you had asked me a year ago, I would probably tell you it's all about relationships. There used to be a, a pretty easy formula. You, you go, you find out what stores sell it. You go in, you place a custom order with the store. You know, they recognize your face, and you, you sort of start a relationship that way you shop there as often as you can and then at the end of the year, you know you put your name in and you get a bottle. I would say up until you know maybe the end of last year, I would have said that's the way to do it. This year, it's totally different. I think so many new people are getting into it that I would almost say this year it's more about research than relationships. And so I, I think the guys that are really doing well at bourbon hunting this year are really just kind of looking at, at information. and there's there's four things that I think people are getting. Uh, you know, they, they're starting to develop these big lists of which stores sell it. They're sort of investigating the stores to see who charges, you know, high prices versus normal prices. They're finding out how each of the stores sell. You know, is it like a handshake? Is it a lottery? Is it a lineup up front? And then lastly, they're, uh, they're spending a lot of time to find out the actual date and time that store get that pulls up and delivers the allocated stuff. And I think the guys that are that you see, you know, sort of on the Internet that are posting all of these bottles... They have all that information um, and they sort of put it together in a formula so that they know where to show up and when. You know, they put their name in 50 lotteries, not two. And so this year, I think with all the hype, the guys that are really getting, you know, almost guaranteed to get the bottles are the guys that just put in that much effort, you know, to, to, to sort of uh, to put together the formula where they can get a bottle, right? To
0: kind of play the odds. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've all kind of seen that happen. Yeah, You're right. I think the whole relationship thing, um, that's pretty hard to come by because. Yeah,
2: it's gone out the window. It, and it not did. only
0: that is, you know, you, you go into some stores and they say like, I'm going to save this stuff for my quote unquote, like best customers. And, and that's great. I, I completely agree. And I think they, they should. Um, but how do you become that best customer? I know a few stores here in Louisville and I've talked to them before and they're like, my best customers spend upwards of $2,000 a month at my store. And I, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I can't compete with that, right? I mean, that's just that's yeah. just up above and beyond. A, I'd have to be drinking. Uh, every I can't even drink that day. much booze. <laughs> yeah. And I drink a lot. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, and that's the reality. I think you can. You know, the, the guys that are at that level are either representing corporate accounts or they're these big cost plus shipping guys who will go in and clear out a shelf and sort of ship it to all their friends across the country. You know, They're, they're guys that are spending thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, and and I think a mistake that a lot of sort of new burn hunters make is they go in and they end up sort of feeling like they're obligated to buy something and they you know they buy a twenty dollar bottle and then the next week they go back and buy another twenty dollar bottle and they end up going broke on these twenty dollar thinking that they're becoming a good customer. You know, and the reality is they're they're not even in the same the same league. But I but I will say if you're nice, you know, and if you build a, a legitimate relationship with the customer. I mean, sorry, with the store, you may not get Pappy, but you probably could get some of the tier two stuff that comes out, uh, and at the very least, definitely be able to
2: use that relationship for information. You know, we'll
1: yeah. tell you when it's coming out.
2: Yeah. One way yeah. to not get any Pappy is just to go in there and ask for Pappy without <laughs> <laughs> that, that. Cause one of my friends here lucked out and he, he goes to a store quite a bit and buys a lot of wine. He has a real estate business. And some some guy comes in there and goes, you got any Pappy? And then the guy's like, no, of course not. And, uh, but then he walks out and he goes, I hate people that come in here and say they want Pappy and they don't ever buy anything you come in here a lot. Here's a rye. I'll sell it to you for retail. And so that's how he got his. And I was like, man, that does not happen anymore. Yeah,
1: that's I mean, you hear about it occasionally and it's probably it's definitely not the big chains, It's usually sort of more of the small mom and pop shops. I love hearing it when it happens. You know, I, I like that method, but it's uh, hard to find that now.
0: Yeah. When you're talking about your research, there's actually um, there's a few groups that that do that. So I know that for one, there's a Reddit thread for bourbon for uh, Washington, D.C. area. And what they've done is there's a, a, a few individuals, and they've mapped out every liquor store within the D.C. area. And they kind of put on there, um, we'll sell at inflated prices, or it's a handshake-only kind of deal, or it will be a lottery, or whatever it is. So everybody within that small circle uh, within the D.C. on the Reddit forum – well, maybe it's not a small circle anymore if this gets out, but, uh, it's a way that it's a way that they all kind of share that information with one another. Yeah.
1: And that's, that's great. You you see that a lot in the whiskey clubs too. You know, you see a lot of sort of local areas that where people come together to just drink whiskey and talk about it. They usually have some of their own groups on Facebook or other places where they essentially keep that, you know, that set of information together. Um, and to be honest, you, you need it. I mean, if, if you're going out now, you know, especially with the Van Winkle stuff, if you go on their website and they list a couple of retailers from like 20 years ago, and if you email them, a lot of people don't know it, but they'll actually send you the list of every store in your state that sells it. And so there are ways to, to sort of get at that information, but, but you need to work at it. And, and a great way to get it is to get into one of those communities that that pulls that together.
0: Yeah, that's what I think in an episode one is when I talked about how we have a group of friends where we all kind of share as much tips and tricks as we can, because, um, you know, we don't want to invite the entire city of Louisville into our small circle. But if we can have 15 people that can try to cover uh, as much as the city as we can, we can we can try to you know, cover as much ground as possible. Yeah, and that's a a great idea. So I guess uh, in round, have you seen anywhere else in the country? I know it's crazy here in Kentucky, and it's northern Kentucky and Cincinnati area, even in Alabama, because I was there. But any other places that you've seen where people are camping out like crazy for this stuff?
1: You're actually seeing less and less of it, because I think the stores that used to do sort of the first come, first serve, um, are getting such negative sort of feedback from the people who don't get the bottles that they're starting to switch to lotteries. So we're even up around Boston, the stores that people used to camp out on switched over to lottery systems this year.
0: At least me personally, uh, I hate lotteries because I have the worst luck and I'll end up never getting anything. And that's happened to every single one. So I'm, I'm more inclined to camp out to help guarantee myself something. But it seems that it's uh, there's, there's yeah. really hard to find a fair way to distribute anything. Um, you know, whether it's um, saying I'm saving my best customers, but how do you become a best customer? Um, lotteries are okay, I guess, but then you've got people that show up that don't even really know what they're there for, um, and then you've got people that camp out and they bring you know a load of mules with them, and they end up getting you know the first five twenty threes that are that are available, right? So yeah. is there really like a, a fair way to do anything anymore? I mean, it just seems like it's just getting harder and harder to to divvy this stuff out.
1: You know, like you said, you know, lotteries aren't ideal because you get a lot of people that sort of just show up and just by the luck of the draw, they end up, you know, getting these these really good bottles. And I personally prefer the the approaches where you actually have to sort of work to earn that bottle. So you talk about camping out, you know, someone who puts in the effort to figure out when these things are happening you know, plans their schedule around getting there uh, and really puts in the effort to to get the bottle, you know, and they ultimately get rewarded by getting one. I mean, I like those sorts of systems. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I think the market is just so crazy right now that even with those people, there aren't enough bottles to go around. And so I think everyone right now is trying to figure out sort of the silver bullet to get it kind of get it into the right hands, avoid the flippers. Um, And to be honest, you know, I've I've seen some, a lot of really creative ways of distributing it, um, but I haven't seen anyone that I would say, oh, you know, they, they finally
0: figured that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was. It was still a lottery here in Kentucky with Louisville, but it was it was it was it was okay the way it kind of turned out, and that's only because there was plenty of bottles. Like each liquor barn here had upwards of I don't know, Ryan, what was it like two hundred, like two hundred, yeah, 200, almost three hundred bottles, and so everybody that kind of showed up was guaranteed a bottle. Right, that's the nice part. Um, and thankfully I sent my mom, my mom came home with a rye for me. Right. So (laughs) again, that just, it just plays into the whole thing of, yeah, these people are going to go. They have no idea what they're getting. They just, they just know it's a buzzword and they buy it and they have no idea what they have. I think the
1: tricky thing is you see other parts of the country
0: trying to do that same thing, but they don't
1: have, you know, a hundred bottles to get rid of. They've got, you know, eight or 10 and so what they're doing is they're actually pulling a lot of bottles that used to be on the shelf over to the side and they're including them in these lotteries. So people who used to be able to go in and get a bottle that, you know, maybe wasn't as sought after, uh, now all of a sudden this bottle. Is going to somebody who won a lottery who probably didn't even want it in the first place.
0: Yeah, like the Elmer <laughs> Elmer Tees of the world and like yeah, that kind exactly. of stuff. They're just bringing it over, and be like, yeah, you didn't even know this stuff existed. It's been sitting on the shelf for a little bit. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's crazy. And this year, you know, I saw Caribou Crossing, which is you know kind of a Canadian whiskey. You know, that's being <laughs> included along as something you can win next to you know a pappy, and it's it's. Uh, it's getting kind of interesting. You're like you no know, thanks.
0: It's <laughs> yeah. just funny because yeah, the people that'll that'll be there, they just don't know what they're doing. They're going to end up buying it, so it's a smart move by the store to try and uh, try to inc- increase their sales during that. But what we've been seeing here in Louisville is um, we can you can look on Twitter any day. There's still pappy raffles that are happening every once in a while here in Louisville, uh, even up to this point up till Christmas. They're usually for tens and twelves, um, but it's pulling upwards of a thousand people at these raffles, right? So yeah. there are there's way 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 more demand than there is supply and honestly what's going to kind of bring us to our ne- su- next subject and you know it's the kind of hot and touchy subject and that's the secondary market right the flippers yes yeah <laughs> and and you know I don't want to talk about specific marketplaces because that's the first rule of fight club is that you know you don't talk about them but they're easy enough to find if you search for them um, but we can talk about one that actually uh, sent out an email this week that they are now closing down, which is DustyBid.com. So if anybody saw that, they uh, there's just I guess some butting of heads up top. For me personally, um, you know, this I look at this as like a haven for people that want to make a quick buck. And I'm not a saint. Uh, I'm never going to try to consider myself one. I, I will raise my hand and I will say I am a contributor to the secondary market. And most of the people that I know that are that are into this bourbon realm are doing the same exact thing as I am. And there is actually a pretty good article that was on bourbon.com. Uh Blake was one of our past guests. He kind of had this whole, this terminology, right? You have your flippers. And then he had a few other terms. And one of the things that I kind of look at myself is, as well as my friends is we're called opportunists. So we look at it as that, you know, we are able to buy and sell bottles um, to be able to cover the cost of our own bourbon spending habit because it gets expensive real quick. And um, I, it also helps bottles that I might not be able to attain otherwise, right? I mean, I'll just give you an example. For last year, um, I had I ended up getting probably four Pappy Twenties uh, through very various means, and I sold one of them for around eight hundred and twenty-five bucks, and that's nowhere near the market that it is today. But last year's value that was pretty good. And since I sold it for that much money, I, I was actually able to get, uh, both a 2014 William Leroux Weller and a SAS 18 that I couldn't get during the BTAC release. So I, I kind of look at the secondary market as pretty valuable for somebody like me who trades and helps. And, you know, it, cause it also helps set the value of these hard to obtain bottles. So I, I know here in, you know, in Louisville, um, you know, the, the secondary market's starting to take its effect, right? Because we see a lot of the stores that aren't the liquor barns or the beverage warehouses or something like that. They are the small mom-and-pop shops, um, and they caught on. They know what they're doing, right? They're starting to sell their allocated bottles for near-secondary prices. Um, for this year, it was hard to walk into a store and not see a bottle of Stag for $400. Um, it was the same thing with the Van Winkle collection. They, they've caught on. Um, Are you seeing this in other parts of the country as well? Or sorry, other parts of the country? Yeah,
1: um, I am seeing it. Probably not at the level that you guys have in Kentucky, um, because I think you also have somewhat of a tourist bump there too. But uh, I am seeing it. But I would say, actually, instead of that, what I think I'm seeing more of is bundling. Um, And this is where a retailer will take you know, something, let's say they take a stag, and instead of selling it at a really high price or marking it up, what they'll do is they'll put it in the gift basket and they'll put a bunch of Fireball in there, a bunch of wines they haven't moved, some Scotches <laughs> they haven't, right? And they'll, they'll sell it for the same, you know, secondary market price that the bottle itself would have gone for.
0: Yeah, but they, they get rid of a bunch of other product, too. I actually saw that one firsthand. I had a buddy from Atlanta um, send me a text message. He was like, I think I can get a SAS 18, but it's going to cost me like $500. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I guess maybe if you really want it. But he goes, it comes with like a Bell Mead bourbon and some other things. And I was like, well, I mean, if that's your thing, I mean, go go for it, right? But Yeah, and that's
1: pretty common. I mean, I think, you know, if you have to buy a bunch of Christmas gifts for work, maybe it's a good idea, but. You know, I, you end up essentially with a bunch of bourbons you don't need or wine or whatever. <laughs> or
0: want. <wine. laughs> yes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's point of sale Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning twenty-four-seven help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a one-dollar-per-month trial period at shopify.com/bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com/bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com/bourbon. So when you, when you think about the secondary market, there's a lot of um, people who like to point fingers, right? Um, do you look at it as do you think the people that are flipping the bottles that are the problem? Or do you think it, that are the people that are actually buying the bottles on the secondary market that are actually paying for these prices uh, are creating the problem? Yeah, I think this is a hard one. I mean, there, there's a lot of sort of factors at play there. I think
1: certainly the people who are flipping, you know, and are camping out just to buy a bottle uh, to sell at a markup, you know, they, they're to blame for a lot of it, I think. But like you said, I mean, a lot of being being a bourbon fan now requires you to flip your own bottles to earn enough money to buy the bottles you actually want. I mean, that's just that's sort of just part of the game now. Um, and so I think we're in this weird cycle where a lot of the high bottle sales are people that actually love bourbon who are just, you know, can't with their paycheck pay $800 for a bottle. So they go into their, their war, you know, they go into their war chest, they pull out a, a bottle they have, they sell it, they earn the money to buy another bottle that they really want. And there's a circle of sort of reselling that's going on. And so I, I don't blame the people buying because I think that's sort of just part of it. I would say there might be another player in that equation, and I think the producers might bear some of the blame on this, as I I think we're now at a point where a lot of those bottles really have a premium brand to protect, and I think you know the number one rule of marketing, right? If if you actually meet demand for one of those brands, it kills the brand, mm-hmm. right? It, it no longer has the value, and so I I think where a lot of these producers could actually imp- increase demand even by selling half bottles, you could double the amount of bottles out in the marketplace you know, for very good business reasons, they're not. And so I think, you know, even though we see a lot of press releases about, hey, I wish we could, you know, help everyone, um, the steps you could take to actually help people, you never really see them go that next step. So I, I would almost put some of the producers and maybe the distributors who use these, you know, these bottles to drive sales, um, I would probably put a little bit of the blame on them too.
0: I agree. There's uh, there's always those, those email releases that come out. And of course, like this year with, um, I mean, both with BTEC and Pappy from Buffalo Trace, right? It was like everything's much lower than we anticipated. like there was only a gallon in our Pappy twenty three barrels right like, <laughs> like like nobody yeah. like, there's nobody really knows if there's any truth to that right um it's It's very hard to to kind of um you know put somebody you know in a polygraph test and and say was is this really happening? Um, I think you're totally right that they do have a brand to protect. Um, there was actually a pretty good conversation that I, I saw and they said like, well, if Buffalo Trace really wanted to, they could, they could potentially release upwards of like 20,000 bottles of Thomas H. Handy. Like they have, they have that capacity that they could do it. Right. Cause it's, it's barrel proof baby size. They've got uh, thousands and thousands of barrels of it and only ages about six to eight years. Um, so they could do it. But uh, in terms of not diluting the brand, they're not going to. Right, and I get that, you know, and and I think, you know, even with the low
1: sort of yields from the barrels, um, you know, right now everything's being sold as a seven fifty full bottle. You know, you could sell everything as a three seventy five, and twice the population would get it, right? And and I think the reality is a lot of people who buy bottles are really buying the bottles just to taste it. There are tools in place where they could sort of deliver against the demand, but like you said, I think you know it's a business, and and I'm sure there are people making decisions about that at Buffalo Trace and other places.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, I have to ask, and I'm sure I'm sure all the sentiments are the same, and I, I sort of mildly get pissed off when I see the infamous crotch shot of a <laughs> bottle sitting in somebody's lap in their car when they just got it out of the, you know, they're in the parking lot, they just got it from the liquor store that they just scored from, and they're asking for hundreds if not a $1,000 more than what they paid for it. Um, you know, what do you, what do you feel about that? Like, I feel like, can't you just wait like the 10 minutes to just get home and then take a picture of it to try to flip it? I know, um. It's ridiculous. I mean
1: that, and I'd say almost as irritating as the people who go into like the enthusiast communities and, you know, put up a bottle and say, Hey, does anyone know how much this is worth?
0: Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they're just out there fishing, right? They're fishing for answers instead of just doing research and homework. And it's it's back to this whole thing of lotteries. Like maybe just people get bottles and they have no idea what they're doing with it. And also, you know, back to what you're talking about with the distributors and, and holding bottles and stuff like that. You know, we, we hear stories of all the times of um, people that for liquor stores be able to get their allocation of pappy. A distributor will say, um, you know, you've got to buy like 20 cases of Skinny Girl Margarita to be able to get yourself anything, right? Quote, unquote, that's supposed to be illegal. But it may or may not happen. You also see people on these forums and there's there has to be something that is um, going on behind the scenes. You see people in these forums and they're selling the full verticals of BTAC and Pappy, and they've got like two or three of them to be able to get that. Like there's no way somebody just walks into a store and pays that retail and walks out. So there has to be something that's happening behind the scenes. Um, So sometimes it's either store owners or distributors or something is happening that um, is is feeding this market frenzy as well.
1: It's exactly what you just said. I think at least the cases I know of, it's a store owner who just takes their entire allocation and sells it on secondary. Also restaurant owners, right? Restaurants, uh, especially this year, got got some pretty good allocations. And some of those guys will take it and sell it on secondary or give it to their brother-in-law who you know, who then sells it on secondary. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I think most of those big bottle grabs, they aren't guys like you and I who just had a good day. They're guys who have a, an actual connection to the industry.
0: Yeah, and I mean, with restaurants, like how do you feel about some of the restaurants? Because we even see it here in Louisville. There's, there's a few places that have a, a fantastic bourbon selection, but they're price gouging. Like there's there's no if ands or buts about it, right? I mean, it's like two hundred dollars for a one ounce pour of Pappy 23. So what do you feel about like restaurants? It's an expensive that are doing, piss. Ex- again, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean it's it's nuts. You know, I think you'd probably agree. I, I don't know that any of these bourbons are really worth that much money.
2: Lord no, gonna, it's just freaking yeah. corns and <laughs> <laughs> dogs exactly. know, wheat and rye grant grounded up and sitting in a barrel for yeah, there's no way it's worth that.
1: Yeah, I mean and they're good and don't get me wrong, I mean I love bourbon, but you know, that that's a lot of money to spend. I think the guys who actually have access to it through a distribution or retail channel and are then marketing it up, I mean that's just ridiculous. I think it's the same as price gouging. What I also see is there are these restaurants that need to have it on their menu to like preserve their own restaurant but can't get it, so they end up buying it on secondary so the only way that they can profit on it is to mark it up a little bit, mm-hmm. and so uh, so I see both of those. I'm not sure that either one is good. I, I think it's it's still you know it's kind of crazy to spend that much on on bourbon, but I see it happening.
0: Yeah, it's 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 something around here. We we typically see that around Derby time in Louisville when uh, Craigslist all of a sudden gets flooded. And yeah, the restaurants are automatically just, they just start bringing out bottles of Pappy 15 to sell at inflated prices when they know all the superstars are coming to town. Yeah. And
1: they make, you know, they probably make a lot of money off that. And that's the thing that's kind of crazy is, you know, you hear these distributors or these producers talk about how much they hate it, but you actually don't really see them doing anything to stop it. So it's, uh, (laughs) it's interesting.
2: (laughs) It's crazy to me that like Buffalo Trace is not raising their prices, but you see like Heaven Hill. They are now. They've caught on, and they're kind of like, we're gonna start charging higher and higher prices, like at gift shops. So like, Parker's in the new Elijah eighteen, and the twenty threes are now in that John Fitzgerald. They're one three four hundred dollars for you know these these bottles at the gift shop, and they're the only ones I guess smart enough to kind of you know they know they can get it, so they're charging it.
0: Well, they're either charging it or they just know that. The flipper is going to go ahead, automatically set the prices double, and somebody's going to pay for it. Who knows if they're, I mean, yeah, they're probably, um, you know, making some better margins, that's for sure. Um, but I don't think they're they're really capitalizing so much on the secondary market. I think they're just capitalizing more on the, the bourbon industry trend.
1: I, I do think it's crazy that they haven't raised the prices. But, I, I mean, you hear rumors about potentially making money in other ways because if, if someone like Sazerac can use – this as a carrot for a store to buy a bunch of other stuff. They're
0: still making money. They're just making it on a different product. You know, we've talked about Buffalo Trace. We've talked about Sazerac. we talked about secondary markets. And, and this week... Uh, Buffalo Trace sent out an email if you're on the Buffalo Trace mailing list. uh, Since it's the Christmas season, they receive loads of emails inquiring about like secondary market prices because they're going to buy it as a gift for somebody or something like that. They flat out said they recommend nobody buying anything on the secondary market because you can't trust who sells it. There are counterfeit bourbons out there because you can take a Pappy Van Winkle bottle um, buy it off of eBay or a George T. bottle and re-shrink wrap it and make it look as close as you can. And not only that, it is for people like me that I'm guilty of it, right? I mean, it's illegal in most states to sit there and try to trade or sell alcohol um, without a license, right? They, they, they said in bold letters or they try to say that they try to intend to try to help shut down some of the secondary markets that sell Buffalo Trace products. And as we kind of know, 90% of what's on the bourbon secondary products uh, are all Buffalo Trace products. And, and I'm pretty sure that they are, aware, they, they are aware of all the liquor stores gouging prices because they said um, they want to know the stores that are doing it. So they are kind of setting up like a, a tip line or a hotline where you can go ahead and you can submit stores that are doing that. So I guess a question for you guys is, I mean, do you really think Buffalo Trace can successfully shut down a, a secondary market of bourbon? No. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That's well, I think answer. they
2: say I think they're just it's just PR. They're not really doing anything about it. I mean, this is great for them because it's like you said, it's building their brand. And I mean, Pappy's like the most well-known bourbon out there. It's good for them. So why would they stop it? I'd say the same thing. You know, like I said, I think their
1: brand needs the secondary market to make it seem you know so. Uh, so valuable. And so I don't know that from a business perspective, they benefit in any way if the secondary market goes away. I agree. I I think it's PR. I would also say it's a little surprising because last year around this time, there was a lot of sort of internet traffic about stores that were price gouging. Um, And we were all sort of reporting it to Buffalo Trace or to the Van Winkle
0: family. I remember that. It was the hashtag pappy shaming.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, happy and, shaming. <laughs> yeah, and Because we heard the same thing. You know, we heard that they cared and they wanted to know, and yet, you know, never heard back. And then this year, all those same stores got allocations again, and they all are selling at the same thing. So I think it's a good news story. I think it's you know, it's good to say that they don't like it. Do they really? You know, are they going to invest money and time to shut it down? I you know, I'd be surprised if they did.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Uh you look at it, I mean, there's gonna be a secondary market for anything that's hot, right? I mean, there was for Beanie Babies, there was gonna be for anything, right? And if and if history proves itself, um, you look at you look at anything out there, if you try to shut down one avenue, two more are gonna open up. That's just that's just how it works. Um we can see it even from uh we'll just talk it's something that's, you know, kind of hot topic right now, like Syrian refugees, right? Like People are—they're trying to get out of there. If you try to shut down a border, they're going to go find a different border to go through. Um, it's going to happen. Like there's—there's there's just no way it could ever be stopped. So I just don't think that—that's going to have um, any effect on it whatsoever. I, I however, I, I would like to have this have some sort of effect on retailers or restaurants that are price gouging. Uh, I would—I would much rather like to see. Um, more people try to take that uh, in a fair fair kind of sense. Yeah, and
1: I, I think you might see a little bit of that. But I think the tricky thing is some of these stores that are price gouging actually move a lot of product for, the, for these companies. And so I think if you do see them take action, you'll probably see it happen against the smaller stores. I'm, n- I'm not sure that they would actually sacrifice sort of a revenue channel to take action. I think it's a shame when a, a store gets a bottle, especially in the three-tier system where they're the only way a customer can get a bottle is through a store, and if that store,
0: you know, kind of violates their role in that path by marking it up, uh, I think that's that's a shame. Mm-hmm. And just so anybody out there that that wants to ask, because I people ask me all the time, they say, "Well, isn't that illegal?" Uh, No, it is perfectly (laughs) legal for them to mark it up. It's it's the three-tier distribution system. You have the manufacturer. They set the MSRP that the distributor buys it from. Then the, the retailer buys it from the distributor. The retailer then actually owns it, and they can set whatever price they want. You know, we're kind of coming up on the top of the the, the here, and, and I, I, this has been a, a great topic to kind of talk about. Um, and I just want to put a little bit of a PSA out there for anybody that is finishing bottles or anything like that. If you want to and do yourself a favor and do everybody else a favor to help stop the spread of counterfeit Pappy bottles and BTAC bottles, break your bottle after you're done drinking it or put it in a box and, and never open it up. Or there's actually a, a pretty cool thing which you can do is you can actually go online and buy these silvering kits. And you can kind of like put like a mirror inside the bottles. If you go and just Google silvering kits for for liquor, it's actually pretty cool. Because what happens is people go and it's very tempting, don't get me wrong, it's very tempting to go on eBay and put a bottle of Pappy 20 on there that's empty with the bag and tag and get 80 to $100 for it. But It's it's definitely people buy those and they just put some swill in there and they re shrink wrap it and they go and they sell it because I got a text message from somebody that was in New York one time when my buddy's from Kentucky and he was like I see a bottle of Pappy 23 on the shelf and it's for two hundred and or it was like one hundred and eighty nine dollars and I'm like dude first off there's no way that it's one hundred eighty nine dollars and be like, it's May. Like, you're in New York. They don't get any allocations. There's no way a bottle is sitting in New York for $189 right now. It does happen. It is out there. So do yourself a favor and break the bottle or do something with it. Um, you know, don't try to uh, sell it on eBay because those things do happen. Uh, so I'll, we'll finish it up, and I'll ask you uh, to you guys just a quick question. Do you guys believe there is such a thing as bourbon karma? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Sure, yeah, I certainly do. I mean, i I think a lot of just me trying to help the community, uh, yes. sort of I feel like it has come back. You know, even this year, you know, I had put my name on a list, I don't know, three or four years ago uh, okay. and forgot about it, never got a call. And this year out of the blue, uh, you know, I get a call from a store owner that says they've got a bottle for me. So I do think there is bourbon karma. And I think if you're putting more good stuff into the community than, you, than you're you taking out of it, it comes back and, and reward you.
2: I believe in it, but I have yet to receive its benefits <laughs> yet. <laughs> But it's, hopefully one day. You might
0: have to just give more than you receive. <laughs> my, my bourbon
2: karma you're, it was given to you when I told you about Pappy at Party Mart. And I ended up – they gave me a 12 and they gave you a 20 right after me.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's when I had my awesome beard back then and, and I was pretty good friends with the guy that had a beard. And we kind of had this like beard relationship. I got a beard too. <laughs> <laughs> well, good deal. So, Eric, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, if people want to get in contact with you and follow you on Twitter, how do they do that?
1: Yeah, the best thing is uh, just go ahead and, and uh, contact me through
0: Twitter. You can send me a tweet or uh, follow me on uh, Urban Season on, uh, on Twitter. Well, awesome. Uh, this was yeah. uh, this was a, a great, great show. Um, it's something that is near and dear to my heart because uh, I, I, I love, um, you know, being able to get my hands on bottles that I, I can't get, you know. It's, uh, it's something that uh, I always like having to add to the collection. If I have to get rid of something, then uh, so be it. So, uh, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and close us out?
2: Yeah, and I'm glad that you do it, too, so I don't have to wait in line and do all this crazy shit. I can just taste <laughs> yours. And uh, But, no, appreciate Eric. That was awesome. A lot of good info. It was an interesting topic, and I uh, hope everybody en- enjoys it. Thanks
0: a lot, guys. Yeah, Sorry. no problem. So if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at bourbon pursuit and we will look for you all next time